This is gonna hurt. It's time for the Suffering Podcast. Some stories are just too important to fit into a small time frame. More exploration is needed in order to get the full message out. So the suffering of Irish Angel needs a continuation. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we welcome back our very own Amanda Coleman to discuss part two of The Suffering of Irish Angel. Amanda, thank you so much for coming in. There was just way too much to cover on the first yeah, one. This is a lot. The first one, the first one got a little deep. So just to give a, a quick recap, well, actually, before we get into the recap, let's give a big shout out to Toyota of Hackensack. We buy our cars there because we trust them. Go to toyotahackensack.com and let them find you a car. Also, when you're out and about in your new Toyota, Visit the Grand Saloon, 940 Van Houten Avenue in Clifton. Go see Nick. Tell him Suffering Podcast sent you. And he's going to take care of you with some really good food, but we're still trying to get spam on the menu for him. And, of course, <laughs> I, I want a whole menu of spam. And, of course, go see Frontline Cigars. Go to FrontlineCigars.com. Put in the code TSP for a 15% discount site-wide. Told you, Kevin, Kevin's just got an issue with meat in a can. So If you don't like spam, you're a communist. I'm sorry. I keep saying I'm going to go get it. I had it as a kid. I haven't had it in years. Oh, you have a white pudding then. The what? what? In Ireland, we have like, a, you know the way you have blood, blood sausage? Yeah. Well, we have, um, it, it's, it's, it's called white pudding. It's, it's the opposite of the blood sausage. We call that black pudding, right? So What is in it? Like zit juice or something? <laughs> <laughs> that oh. is it looks gross. like it, but it's gorgeous. Oh, oh. my God. It's, it's gorgeous. You eat haggis over there too. No, or is that Scottish? That's Scottish. That's Scottish. Okay. Yeah, that's disgusting. Nasty. That's, that's nasty stuff. They'll eat anything. You degrade her like that. <laughs> Let's recap a little bit because when you were in here the last time, you really went through some real horror as you were growing up, from being from your father being abusive to being very poor to I can even hard, I have a hard time saying it. You well, well, sexual abuse. Why doesn't everybody just watch the first episode? Yeah, because it gets. And you can recap it yourself. It, it, I have a tough time even thinking about it because you seem like a, a very, very kind, gentle person and why anybody would do that and, and put that suffering on somebody unnecessarily like that. But you know, if, if weak minded a, people, maybe, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a power trip, I guess, yeah. but we're not done yet. I mean, the last time we left you, you were living in, in the, the ghetto, yeah. uh, in, in with people you didn't know in two bedroom apartment, Five dirty, people. Dirty toilet. Dirty toilet. <laughs> newspaper for toilet paper. It was oh, well, you know what? <laughs> you could read the news. <laughs> if there's nothing else, if there's nothing it's else, fingers. It's like, this is newspaper. I think uh, I'll take newspaper. Um, and how did you? How long did you stay in that place? And um, probably, I think, in and around six months. Six yeah. months. Yeah. Six months. Yeah. And then, where did you go from there? Um, things started to get a little bit better when my mom came home Um we rented a place in a place called Drumcondra. It's kind of, it's in the inner city, but it's the nice part of the inner city. Um, and we rented, we rented there for a while and I went hairdressing. I was working. My mom was looking after my sister. Things, she, you know, life started to turn around. My brother. Was, was Howard still in the picture at this point? No, no. Um, she found out he was married. Can't trust those American guys. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a whole nother episode now. <laughs> yeah. Pilot, yeah. Well, you know, you, in in hindsight, you know, hindsight. How he got away with it? I don't know. Like you took her over there for like six months. Like they were together, you know. 
Because he, he had a stabbing cabin, that's why. Stabbing cabin. <laughs> that's what he had. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say. Sailors always used to say they had a hole in every port. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, well, yeah. they're the modern day sailors, pilots are. <laughs> so your, mo- your mother comes my back. cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. No. No. Amanda's got real trauma. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make another Boy Scout joke? <laughs> Uh, your mom comes back, start re- starts reestablishing the family unit yeah. a little bit better. Things yeah. get progressively better. Yeah, I was working. Um, so I was I was training to be a hairdresser. Um, sister was going to school. My brother had torn himself into the police when he came home. They gave him a slap on the wrist. He went to live with my gran, got his life on track, got a job, all that kind of good stuff. <clears throat> For once, things were starting to, you know, turn starting to look up a little bit. Yeah. Can't yeah. rain all the time. No, um, and then the seventh of se- the seventh of February, nineteen ninety three, came the knock on the door to say that David was killed in a car accident, and that was at this point. You got to be thinking to yourself, "What next? When the hell is this stuff going to end?" Yeah, it, it was it was god awful. Like it really was. I always I was actually in a nightclub when I found out. Um, my cousin came in to tell me, and when I went home. I remember walking in the door and seeing my mom with her head vomiting into a bucket. Like she was just gone. And I knew from that moment on that life was never going to be the same again. You know, she had completely, her life was, she, she was distraught. Like just I, shut, I, I, She just shut down. She shut down. Yeah. yeah. It, it was horrible. Um, and then it, it was bizarre as well, because for me, I had not seen my father since I was a kid. Like I, that, you know, we had nothing to do with him. He never paid maintenance. He never wanted to see us. It was like... Well, there's a reason why I never asked where the <clears throat> father was in the picture. Because, in my opinion, anybody that, that puts their hands on a woman doesn't deserve to be talked about. Because yeah. he's not a man. It, it was a weird one for me because when David died, I'll never forget. We went in to see David laid out. You know, the, you, you go to the, the wake, right? And... um it was it, the place was packed, and I remember standing beside him. And somebody walked in and goes, "This is your your gran and your grandfather from my father's side." And my father walked in the door, and I just said, "Get the fuck away from me now!" I said, "Why are you coming in here now?" I said, "You're a little too late." You know, that really that that I was mad. Like I was. He was alive for nineteen years, and, and you didn't and, pay attention. Yeah. Right. yeah, and now all of a sudden, here they are. You know, to play the grieving father role. Yeah, right. So I, I was, I was pissed. Um, but from that moment on, my mom's kind of spiraled out of control. So she, um, she had to be sedated all the time to go to sleep. She, she was drinking constantly. We lost the place that we were renting in the city. We were living in on a mattress on the floor in our aunt's house. Um, I just have to listen to her cry herself to sleep every night. Like it was horrible. Um, and eventually I got her to move and we moved in back into the inner city. And um, there we were. It was it was it was a tough one because, you know, she was grieving for her son. You know, um, there was myself, my sister, and she would lash out at us. She'd pull us out of bed just to fight with us, just be blame us like that David was dead, we were alive. And I know she didn't mean it, Yeah, you know, but 
it she was wasn't a, coming from a right place. Yeah. So, it, you know, I, I, I never would judge her on it because who am I to say if that happened to one of my kids, how I would feel about it, you know? I would have to say that this is the birth of your new life. Yeah. 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 This compassion that you have inside of you. Yeah. It was, it was, it was tough, but that whole thing, like she met, she met a guy, he was a wrong and this guy was part of, I won't say an organization that he shouldn't have been a part of, but anyway. He was a pilot too. (laughs) (laughs) I would have preferred he was a pilot, (laughs) but, um, a a certain criminal organization. yeah, Yeah. 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 Enough said. Yeah. And, um, he would take her to the early house to drink. I'd be looking after my sister. Um, and then the, the, if he wasn't staying over the, the, the place get broken up, like the fights, you know, she'd start again and, and it was just horrible. So I eventually met my eldest daughter's father, um, a guy who just showed me attention. You know, I was in this, living in this crazy little flat that there was just so much negativity and so much, you know, you're just trying to cope and, and get by, you know, um, and he showed me affection. So you had to have like a fragile ego at that point too. Yeah. I was 18 and I slept with him and I got pregnant with my eldest daughter. He did a bunk. He ran off. That's usually how you get pregnant. Yeah. Just a bit. <laughs> um, Unless no, you're married. No, a, oh. see a bunk in Ireland means he's done a jump. He's gone. He's, he's ran. He's done a jump. And he's done. I love that term, by the way. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm he's done a jump and he's gone. He's they call gone. it nut bolt and screw here. <laughs> <laughs> so um isn't it screw nut bolt yeah that could be it <laughs> yeah, I, I got the i got all the um the things in, in, in the toolbox i just didn't know which one to pull out first <laughs> what kind of childhood did you have <laughs> nut, bolt and screw <laughs> screw screw nut oh screw nut God. and bolt that's it screw uh, nut and bolt yeah i got bolt. it yeah, oh my God. Um, i'm sorry <laughs> um so you meet this guy who's who's finally yeah showing you some uh, value. Yeah. You know, I suppose you cling to that with the hope that, you know, you've come from a life where you and this was my mentality probably from all everything that I experienced is that you go through so much um horror stories with men all my life. But yet all you ever wanted was that fam to be happy in a family. Mm-hmm. You know, because your 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 whole life your 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 family life was chaotic. So stability. Yeah, exactly. So I met him, got pregnant with Dion. He ran off. Eventually he came back three months later. We had Dion. We moved out together. And then we were getting married for my 21st birthday. And three months before the wedding, he went off with someone else. So that was, (laughs) I was like, seriously, he couldn't make it up, you know? <sighs> so, um, that was, that was a nightmare. So I guess now you're left with a child. I'm left with a child. Um, you were a young lady. Yeah. We were all hair. I was a hairdresser. My sister was a hairdresser. All my friends were hairdressers. And in it's Australia, the nineties. So your hair was probably, <laughs> yeah, it was huge. It was huge. Aquanet, the Aquanet days. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, all my friends went to Australia. They were crying out for tradespeople, so they all went. I couldn't go because I had my daughter, hmm. um, and my sister went. So I had nobody really. Um, and then I met my ex-husband, 
and he wasn't the type of guy that I would normally go for. He Meaning was, he was ugly. No, he was. He actually was. <laughs> Come on, he ugly. wasn't. He was. <laughs> so that's the type of guy. When woman says he's not, you're not no, my typical type. Well, you see, I'm used to going for like good looking no, guys. No, I guess I guess I always liked a little bit of a bad boy in a way. Mm. He wasn't. He was. He seemed like the really good, good natured. Had two kids from prior marriage. Was a really good father, and because he was a really good father, it was that I was attracted to. You know, so um, we got together, got pregnant with Lena, had Lena, got married. But just before we got married, he got testicular cancer. And um, a kick in the nuts. <laughs> literally, um, we didn't start on a very good on a very good, key, you know, key. Um, but we got through it. Everything was fine. Um, my mom, the day of my wedding was really weird with me, like really weird with me. She never told me I looked beautiful. She never, you know, she was really strange and I couldn't fathom it. And my, my sister was the same. She was like, what, what's going on? You know? And I was like, I have no clue. And it hurt me. Like it really hurt me. It's your special it's day. It's your special yeah. day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, then moving on some, and my ex, he was all of a sudden a second phone appears, you know, and the late coming home from work. Yeah, here know? we go. Yeah. So I was like, right. I knew, I knew it was coming, but I, I guess I was in denial because I didn't want to have, I had finally had stability and didn't want to rock the apple cart on the kids. Mm. You know, they, they were happy and their happiness meant everything to me as opposed to, to my happiness. It's amazing the things you'll put up with for your children's happiness. Yeah. 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 But it seems you've always put everybody before yourself anyway. Always. Always. It's just, a, it's like an automatic default for yeah. me, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so <sighs> he left his phone at home. I seen a picture of the girl on the phone. He runs through the door, realizing he left the phone at home. And uh, I asked him about her and he was like, he said, I'm really sorry. He said, um, she had had cancer. I had cancer. We just kind of flocked toward we resonate you know we got together and just it just happened but he was like i really want to give it a go so we said okay give it a go that did, moving on to this early december was this christmas party we went to his event and she was there and sure he was over talking with her all night so i got in a cab and i went home he didn't come home until three o'clock the next day so i was like right listen this is just i can't do this anymore I just can't. And, you know, I said, it's not fair on me. It's not fair on the kids. It's time to, you know, move on. So he's like, well, I can't afford to move out right now. And I was like, that's okay. You know, we, it, it was weird because as much as he, I knew he was having an affair on me, I could kind of understand how they got together. You know what I mean? They had an understanding that I could never understand, you know, so. Yeah, that connection. Yeah. That's why Mike and I sleep together. I know, right? I was wondering. Because we got a connection. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Did I just out you? <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the top. Just so <laughs> <laughs> I think I just made him blush. Oh, uh, you did. You actually did. So, yeah, it was a weird one. So, I went over to my, my only friend that I had at the time, Sandra, and uh, we... Um, I told her what was after happening, told my mom what was after happening. My mom was over my aunt's drinking at this stage and she had asked my other half to collect her. So she, he did. 
and he called me and he's like, can you come home? He said, your mom's here and she won't leave and the kids are upset and she's, you know, she's had to been hitting me in the car in front of the kids and everything else. And I was like, Jesus Christ, here we go again. So I, I flew home and I just walked in and I said, you just need, you just need to go. I said, there's enough upset here. We just, you know, this need, this has got to stop. Um, and she said to me, you think you're all that having a husband? She said, little do you know that me and your husband spent the night together when you were on your bachelorette party. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You sure you didn't grow up in Alabama? Yeah, <laughs> West Virginia. Oh, my God. It was, it was, it was, that was. That had to be the one of the biggest gut punches out of everything was, you went was, through. It was soul destroying. Like, it, it, it was. Like, normally all the bad shit that's happened to me. I never let it affect me as much as that did. You've had, I mean, you, I mean, how many times did you like stick up for your mother and, and put up with all of that? I guess and now this in, is, in my mind's eye, I knew how bad she was hurting from her life. Um, and that's not my story to tell. That's hers. But so I always, I guess I always just made excuses for it, you know, just and in a way understood understood why she would act a certain way or you know whatever every but, uh, turn in your life seems to kick you right in the teeth yeah well it's like when they say every time something's go goes good they pull the rug out from under her feet yeah and now you're starting all over from the ground up yeah pretty much and now you're starting all over again yes again all over again but in a positive way this is something i don't understand about you i i'm i'm just perplexed that you chose to dedicate your life to helping others when you yourself seem like you needed help the most. I don't understand that. How does the, how did you transform into that type of person? I know you were always taking care of people. That's different. Now you're taking care of strangers. Yeah. How does that, how do you transform into that? Um, it was. I, I actually fell into it just by pure accident. And of course, we're talking about Irish Angel. Yeah, yeah. It was um, the run-up to the elections between Trump and Clinton. And normally when there's an election on, as I have learned in this country, you know, Black Lives Matter will kick off or, you know, there'll be riots. There'll be, there'll be some, some rhetoric that's being pushed, right? So um, my cousin, is, who's a police officer, was saying to me, there, there was stuff going on at home and... and I was annoyed about because policing in Ireland is very different. As much as the same mission is, it, it's the same. It's very different. And um, we're about 20 years behind you guys when it comes to policing. But we are. We're cloak and dagger. We do. We're, we don't talk to the public about what goes on within the services. Everything is hush hush. And anything that is released would go through the Garda press office, meaning, you know, they had control over everything. Yeah. So when I seen what was happening, the police, our police was being targeted. Um, and I knew they didn't like what was going on either. So I wanted to take to the internet and say, listen, these guys are human, you know, just back off. Like, you know, they feel it just as much as everybody else does. And um, Damien had said to me, Amanda, he said, we don't have it half as bad, he said, as what's going on in the United States. And I was like, what's going on? And he says, he said, you wouldn't believe it if it told you. And I was like, go on, tell me. And he says, like cops are sitting in their cars and they're just being, they're actually being shot. That happened, assassinated. That happened in uh, Jersey city, Melbourne, Santiago. Yeah. Happened who, in New York too. Who yeah. uh, I have a, a brief connection to 
Melvin Santiago was sitting in a car. Somebody walked up behind him, put one behind his ear. Yeah. That was it. That was it. So I was blown away by it. I, I just, I couldn't fathom that someone would be that evil. You know what I mean? Um, I knew, knew that obviously. No, wait, hold on. You couldn't fathom. <laughs> you, After all you've been through. You couldn't oh, fathom <laughs> that somebody would be that evil. Your Holy husband slept with your mother at your bachelorette shit. party. and <laughs> Your family member sexually abused you. Your father kicked the shit out of your mother. And you can't fathom? Well, I... Wow. <laughs> but that's, <laughs> that's really different. It's like... It's way worse. I know. It's way worse. Kev, she's you know, Irish. You got to talk what, slow to her. But, I, but <laughs> I got to live, though. I got to live. They don't. But we you get, know what I mean? We get to put up with... We had to put up with the occasional harassment. Okay? Which... Ultimately, we win because we have we had something on our side that would guard against them. Plus, a radio that we can call dozens of other people who have the same thing on, on sitting on their hip to protect them. Yeah. We have handcuffs to make sure that you can't punch us. You didn't have any of these protections. I love what you do. Don't get me wrong, but don't think for one minute. Don't think for one minute the police had it worse than you. No, well, I, I, don't I don't think there's many people in the world that had it. And I know there are, but I, uh, but we haven't talked to him yet. Yeah, <laughs> and if you hear from him, reach out to the suffering pilot. Um, but that that is an amazing perspective that you're still like there. You could have gone the other way. Yeah, you could have gone the other way and said, "Well, nobody helped me when I was down, so screw all you guys." Well, you know, I think I think I have my mom to thank for that, <laughs> and I don't know, but for all the wrong that was done. I knew exactly that I didn't want to become that person. That was the pivotal point for me to say, you know, you can stay on this Ferris wheel of like negativity and all the bad shit that's happening to you, or you can jump off and make something in your life, you know? Um, so Irish Angel actually started as a blog? Yeah. Well, yeah. it wasn't even a blog. It was just me going on. I went on LinkedIn and I posted messages of support. It was around the time Blue Lives Matter kind of started. Mm -hmm. And um, the following grew like I would, didn't even think it reached America, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I was inundated with messages from support of, of thank you from support, like from law enforcement officers thanking me for what I was doing because they felt that what they were doing was all in vain. You know, everybody was against them, you know, and, and there is that hopeless feeling. So when they did that, when they when, when there was so much, I, I had no clue that it had that impact on somebody just by posting a message. Um, so a SWAT team got together in Virginia. Well, if you parallel your own life, you're just looking for a little bit of, you're looking for a small win. Yeah. That's what you were doing your whole life. Yeah. And police officers in, in much the same way, although they're very, very different than what you went through. Sometimes we're just looking for a win. Yeah. You know, when we're getting beaten down every single exactly. day. Exactly. And that's what you gave them. Yeah. You gave them what you were lacking. A glimmer of hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That someone still does care about the police. Right. Exactly. Yeah. A SWAT team in Virginia got together and they gave me an honorary call sign. So they sent me like the certificate with the Irish angel and they sent me a flight jacket and all this kind of thing. And I was like, I was actually, I don't know, I even get choked up thinking about it. I, I, I know it's something small, but it, it meant the world to me. Like it really did. So. I put together, I seen, I seen so much hatred towards them online. Why am I getting upset? <laughs> I'm getting upset. Um, but I seen so much hatred towards them online that I wanted to do something to give back to them because they gave to me. They gave a little piece of, 
you know, for once somebody was like, somebody was, was again, you just wow, interested in you but for you. The, if there's anybody that made lemonade out of lemons, it's you. <laughs> really, I mean, you took an experience and you saw something that you were lacking and you passed that on. There's no greater gift that you can give onto somebody else than to give them something that you yourself had been lacking. Yeah. And the great thing about you is you have uh, probably one of the <laughs> one of the horrible more horrible stories I've ever heard because it just continues. It's not an event. It's constant. Yeah, it's, it's on not, and on and on. It's not just one suffering story. No, no. it isn't. <laughs> you bring suffering pieces of suffering. Pieces of your story. And, uh, but wow. And I, so you, what's your, what's Irish angels mission now, as opposed to when it began? Well, you see, there's a part of the story again, going back to me, ma'am. Um, and I know we've moved on from it, but, my my mom, she suffered PTSD through grief after David died. That's that's why all the la- the lashes out, everything happened, right? And I only learned this afterward, after the fact. Um, she never got grief counselling. That wouldn't even have come into play. Um, and so she used alcohol and she used prescription meds as a crutch. Anesthetization. And, yeah, that's what most people going through post traumatic stress do. Yeah, so. Over the years, it progressed. She was tearing on her skin. Like she, she would, her whole body was destroyed with self mutilation. Yeah. So it turned out that she had something called parapsychosis. It had developed because it was let go by the wayside that, you know, it developed into something greater. So, um, I've, I've been there for, I've been, you know, when she was at her lowest point. Um, and now she's she's doing well. She's she's doing okay. Um, but that in in itself, when I when I I put together a, I created a website that was username and password for cops and first responders to go on and you know share news stories, talk to each other, all that kind of stuff. Just because they had done so much for me internally, I wanted to do something for them. And in doing that, I'm watching the conversations back and forth between family members, cops, firefighters, whatever. And it's triggering things in me. And it's, I'm like, this isn't good. Like, you know, cause you're, you're remembering stuff yourself. So, um, I did some research and I was like, I knew the suicide rate was really high within the veteran community, but I had no idea just how bad it was in, within the first responder. Community. Veterans are t- 22 a day. 22 I think, day. I think police officers in 2022, I think we just eclipsed a hundred. If not, we're at 99. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Jersey city cop couple weeks ago yeah i think it was it was is, i did it eclipse 100 yet um i'd say it's borderline i was not the last before i got here it was 97 it was, it was 99 the last time i looked yeah under that statistics yeah the blue statistics or something yeah um so um a friend of mine is the sheriff in schenectady new york oh Great. i've been there <laughs> i've been there that's a, that's a wicked town it is <laughs> i'm not gonna lie no, that's what, just so, can't spell it no it's schenectady you know you <laughs> know a funny story how i learned how to say that so, so, so here's my Schenectady story. I was, I was traveling for business before I was a cop and I couldn't find a hotel room and I find one. I walk up to the, to the desk and there's a screen and it says, you want to pay by the hour or you want to pay by the night? Oh, go, oh boy. <laughs> and then I just look, I just turn my head and across the street is an adult bookstore. And I turn my head to the right or to the left and it's a strip club. And then there's an off track betting. 
I, I, I never in a cash checking place right down I showered in my socks I'd never been to a place <laughs> that filthy dirty in my life I just didn't want to touch anything I just was exhausted but yeah, that's connectedy that's yeah. yeah that's that's pretty fun pretty different it place. is it, it, it is that's yeah. fact but um yeah so Dom was like Amanda you've got all this following he said what do you want to do with it and I was like I can't do anything I said I'm not American and he's like no but I am he said he said I know I believe in you he said and that for the first time that was, I, I had heard that from somebody, you know, he went and like Dom broke me down. He was like, he said, you've got a heart of gold. He said, you know, this is your passion. You need to, you need to follow it. He said, I believe in you. So he said, I'll start a nonprofit. He said, you run it, you do the research, you figure out what you want to do. So I wanted with, with all the talking, this was going on for years. Like we was talking to everybody and, you know, realizing the stigma surrounding mental health and everything else that um, I went around a couple of treatment facilities that, that help law enforcement and first responders. Um, and I was asking, you know, what can I do to help? I said, I don't, if we're starting a nonprofit, I don't want to be just another raise awareness website or whatever. Just, um, so the consensus a lot of, across the board was that if officers were reaching out for help, if they got to that point, um, a lot of the time they'd go out of state and they couldn't afford the travel expenses because their finances would be in the gutter as well, you know. So I was like, that's where we need to start. So we got to the 501 in 2019, December, and uh, we were launching our chapter in Boston for in March 2020 and then COVID hit. Well, this is one of the one of the main reasons why we started talking to each other is mental health to Mike and us, to Mike and I are it's it's paramount to what we do. Yeah. All right. So we we went through our issues and we had mental health issues. Mike still has mental health issues. <laughs> Just ask him. Um, but the, the so through help and there was a lot of help out there for us. There was there, there was help out there. It, it was finding it that was that was a difficult part. But the big thing for us is to be in a setting where we felt comfortable, which police officers don't feel comfortable in a lot of yeah. a lot of settings. You know. We, uh, when I went to rehab, I didn't feel comfortable for one second. Yeah. For one second. I was, they, they, they tried to get me down to the Florida house. I didn't want to go. I don't want to go. I'm resistant. I'm just not, nope, I'm not going. I'm not leaving my life behind. I can't do it. So I went to a rehab facility close and it, it scared me straight is what it did. It scared. It got me off of drinking totally. But, um, but we still keep in contact with our group. With a group of people. Sometimes far too much. Yeah. <laughs> we just had one in here not too long ago, and, and it's some of the most demented text messaging ever. <laughs> ever. Okay, that, that's the way, you know, first responders deal with they stress do. is we just joke. And yeah. some of the jokes are just. Well, you gotta, you've been around enough first responders to know, and, and sitting here with us, some of, the, some of the horrible things that you have gone through in your life, and you see how we react to them. But I, I'll be quite honest with you. The reason we react to them like that is because we're uncomfortable. Yeah. We're uncomfortable hearing these things. So we'll throw out a joke. Sometimes they're not appropriate. <laughs> Why are you pointing at me? I'm, uh, I'm just doing this. I haven't said anything. Okay, I, just, I, got, I got a little. Yeah, because you've got a pen in the other hand. I got you, a, you know, it's something like this. Uh, that's how we deal with stress. And most people don't understand that. But do you sort of get it now? Oh, I totally. But I always got it anyway. It's Irish people. The one thing about us is we're. We're a strange little nation. <laughs> um, we, as people in general, tend not to 
compliment one another <laughs> without <laughs> abusing one another, <laughs> like verbally abusing one another. That's just how we are. And I think that's why I get on so well with first responders, because we actually are on, on par, like as mentally, <laughs> yeah. you know, with the jokes and everything else. Like I went I went down to police week last May and I'm I'm staying with three, three grown ass men in a, in a B&B. And we did nothing but laugh. And I may, I was putting them to shame with the banter, like, and it, we just had, had the best weekend ever. But that's just how we are. That's, and I, I get it's, the humor. I get the humor. It would probably something went something like this. Wow, that uniform looks really good on you. You're going to go get your jump on down in the gay section? <laughs> no, I wanted them. And then bump. Do, doc, doc, then bump. Yeah, doc, we called him Mr. LGBTQ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good fun. We'd not good fun. Yeah. You know, um, so I get, I get the, I get the humor. The humor is like our humor. And, and how have you been accepted into the, that community? Um, massive. Like it's, I can't even tell, like, and it blows me away. In actual fact, when we went to police week, like the people on our board and stuff, they knew I had a following, but they actually never realized. And I didn't until then that, you know, holy shit, these people actually know who she is. <laughs> like they, you know, the people were actually coming straight to our tent just to meet me. And that they were like blown away by it all. You know, they were like, we had to come see you. We've been following you for years, like, you know. So I reached out to a couple friends of ours when I knew Amanda was coming to the States. And it's, you know, trying to get the most bang for your buck while you're here to get yeah. you in front of certain people. And it's, you know, the Blue Magazine. They're like, oh, yeah, we, we know exactly who she is. And uh, uh, John Wiley yeah. is another one. John Wiley. John Wiley. So we've both been on John Wiley's show. John's a great guy. Yeah. Um, and just to give you an idea how how small this world is we're doing an event at the grand saloon one of our sponsors and we run into this guy he's like yeah i've been retired i started in baltimore i'm like really do you know john wiley he goes yeah no it calls john wiley we got him on, on the, the phone, phone that day <laughs> we start talking to john again talk about a radio voice oh yeah, yeah. john wiley's got the radio yeah. voice well he sounds like he's blowing the microphone <laughs> and i'm sorry john if you're gonna listen to this but you do you're like arr, 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 arr. <laughs> he doesn't listen to us no he don't listen to us <laughs> john's a great guy yeah. he's been he's been rooting for me since day one He's yeah, he's he's a big he's champion of of yeah. law enforcement. I mean, he's amazing. Yeah. One of the he's biggest champions. But John and I, when I did his show, we have a lot of lot of stuff in common. You know, well, I, he's gay too. <laughs> sorry, Nick. Sorry, Mark. He's, he's just he's in that old bigoted mentality. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, listen, I'm accepted by the gay community. Uh, you're you're laughed at by the gay community. You're more than you're more than accepted by the gay community. I know that. <laughs> It's like playing golf. It's like a hole in one with you. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to go be one of their marshals in their parade. Good for you. I'll just I'll throw it right out there. Are you going to wear the little hot pants? I have them. <laughs> I have them. No, no, I got the, the assless ones. Oh, God. The assless ones. He's going to be on a stool without a seat. Like, like two pieces of bologna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Can we get back on track here? No, this is kind of fun. Making, making uh, inappropriate gay jokes. Um, so... So some of the stuff that you explain, some of the services that you provide yeah. in Irish Angel. What we do is the funds that when we eventually did kick it off, which was October last year, um, we started to raise funds. The funds that we do raise help send cops, first responders and veterans if they're in financial difficulties for to go and get the help they need. We, we make sure that they get the transportation there. Um, and if a treatment is not covered under insurance, then we help with that too. We brushed right over something. We were saying how every time she 
every time Amanda something good happens, her you, feet get kind of knocked out. Are you waiting for she, that? She started this just as it started. COVID hit. COVID hit. Yeah. yeah. Did you think that was gonna like? Go a, like oh, a, we were, here we go again. But, no, I thought we were gonna be okay, and then. You know, we had to think market-wise what way you're going to structure, like your fund, do your fundraising. So we were like, oh, we'll do online auctions. You know, we'll go online, whatever. Um, and then we got a whole load of sports memorabilia in for to do this. We were actually going to do a Facebook Live. It was going to be from different points of the country, people tuning in. It was going to be an all an all day kind of thing. Um, we great guests on. It was it was going to be great. And um, then all of a sudden, the the sports people decides to go woke. <laughs> you know so you have then cops going well i'm not buying sports memorabilia you know so that was that gone it was holy, like holy you know what yeah it's that colin kaepernick jersey doesn't yeah work right? anymore <laughs> so um we literally had to take a back seat we had to sit there and ride the wave out but i think everything happens for a reason um and that was a blessing to us because it allowed us to educate and to grow so we partnered we made amazing connections partnered with a phenomenal organizations that help people um, get treatment. And we've been blessed because people that reach out to us for help now, we can literally make a phone call and have help to them pretty, pretty fast within the, within the day. But they must accept the help. They have to accept exactly. the help. They must accept the help. They and, have to accept the help. And I know this first. No matter where you are in the country though, we can, we can help get you help. Yeah. You know, so we're, we're, we're lucky in that respect. So well, do you reach out to them or do they reach out to they you? They reach out to me. Yeah. And they call they call you directly? Um, I'll get an email or or somebody somebody will tag me in something or, you know, if it's somebody that I know or or if they personally know me, they'll text me or, you know. You must have this wide web of of people out there willing to there's there's a lot of people in need. There is. There's a lot of especially after after everything that's going on in this country. People's mental health has sort of taken a backseat to bigger issues in the country. And hopefully now we're starting to steer our way back into that stuff. So what's what's going on next for Irish Angel? Well, we're just about to kick off our bash, our annual fundraising bash in Boston. Um, and then we're focusing then we're we're kind of getting serious, like, you know, People always think of me, uh, I guess, they see the pinup girls every morning because we post a pinup girl every morning with positive quotes and everything else. And they, I suppose they always see the fun side of me, but there is a very serious side to Irish Angel. So we always keep that because mental health is an extremely serious topic oh. and it can be down and it can drown you out. You know, it really can. Well, that's the problem with mental health. Yeah. And I just had this conversation with our very good friend, Mike DePama. And if you haven't seen him on any episodes, <laughs> he is, he is, he was definitely in need of Irish Angel. But <laughs> he's one of our very good friends. And, and we were having this discussion the other day, him and I, where he, he was getting kind of mad at certain people just turning their backs on him. And I said, Mike, you have to understand something. When somebody sees you drowning, they're going to try to throw you a life preserver. Everything mm -hmm. you can, they're going to try to do everything they can. But at some point when you're drowning and, and there's no saving you, if they don't step back, you're going to be, you're going to drown them also. You yeah. keep pushing that life preserver yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. And soon they're going to pull true. that life preserver back in. And, and, and Mike is, Mike is a very level headed person now mm -hmm. where he turned, turned around and said, you know what? I, th I think you're right. I think you're right. Because I did that too. Like I, there was people offering me help. I pushed it all away. Yeah. I didn't want to hear it. 
Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't want help. All right. Once I was ready to finally accept help, things changed for me. And I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not even close to being there. But you're never going to be. You're never mm. going to be. I think you learn to manage it. You learn to live your life with it. I call it the new normal. Yes. You know, it's, it's your new normal. It is your you know, new normal. You just got to roll with it. It's all you how do. you deal with it. It's That do, word do normal you let, and you don't, don't marry very well. <laughs> do, do you let it affect you? Or do you, you know, or do you win from it? Do you or turn do you, it into a positive? Yeah, or do you use you it as a strength? You have to use it as a strength. You repurpose the word suffering. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's the crux of your story. Yeah. Um, and how long are you in the States for? And can you do an American accent? You can do a Boston accent. I know that. <laughs> can you do? Listen, she, she's going she's gonna to bullshit everybody. She was, all before the show, she was talking like she was from Boston. She's just putting on this. Well, this Irish now. accent's well, Scott, fake. Irish accent's Scott wrong. Mingus, one of our directors, he's from uh, he's from Alabama originally. Oh, <laughs> good luck with that accent. You, you want to hear us right? When we were at Police Week, there was myself, there was Joe. Joe's from Boston. Then you have um, you have Scott, who was from Alabama, and then there was Doc was from Doc was from uh, California. So people were coming over and the people, if they were talking to Scott and they couldn't understand them, they'd come to me and I'd have to translate. Know, translate. You should hear and it. And it'd be vice versa. It was hilarious. But now I'm like, I, I'd be like, mashed taters. <laughs> like, you got to hear a Hoboken accent. Yeah, I was just, I heard the poem. That's a whole other thing. Now, you know, I, just moving away from that for a second, do we have accents to you? Yeah. 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 But, but you do, but you don't. You, you all did beforehand. But now I'm not talking I'm, about speaking American English. I'm talking about where we're from. Jersey accent. Jersey. Oh yeah, you do. They're yeah. picked the up different, different all over dialects. the country. Yeah. yeah, all over the country. They say you're you're from New York. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm from Jersey. Yeah. Same, then, oh, you're same shit. <laughs> <laughs> it is not technically you no. Know? So do oh, it's a New York, New Jersey area. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just like when you're in New York, don't ever, and you're in upstate New York, don't ever say they're from. New York, New York City. City. I never, know. I know. Never, 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 I know. never, never. That's just one of those little traps. I learned that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I do, before we end this podcast, I do want to hear you give your American accent. Oh, Jesus, Make fun of us right me. to our face. Come no, on, Irish people no, aren't I, supposed to be offended by anything. I, no, I'm not, but I sound like an idiot. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, with white hair, you're getting off a rent. It's me Christmas look. look like, I was just going to say, looking like Santa Claus. <laughs> Mrs. Claus. <laughs> So yeah. how how can our how can our audience get involved or look for Irish Angel? How can we how can we find some way to to help out? Anyway, we're we're actually growing Irish Angel right now, so we're we're building out chapters. I had no idea just how how big it was, as in the amount of people that need help, like that need the the funding to go and get their treatment. Um, and we service all of the United States, so it only seems right that we open chapters. In, in different areas um, to raise more funds. So um, that, we're looking, cho- that choosing process must be very difficult. It is. I traveled most of the country <laughs> this year, which was, don't get me wrong, it was phenomenal, but you ha- I have to travel it. This is my baby. This is my passion. And, and you're the face of the, uh, you're the face of the company. Yeah. And, and they don't call it Alabama angel, <laughs> <laughs> but you have to trust the people that is involved and understand and know that they're in it for the right reason. Exactly. Because I've been played like a fiddle in this too, because I went into this very naive um, eyes wide shut, you know, thinking because I come from a good place as in a nonprofit, you know, you think everybody is starting nonprofits because they are good people and they have the same heart as you. 
That is so yeah, far from. Right. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Welcome and to co- America. And the corruption in in nonprofits is insane. Well, we, so we have a nonprofit as well. And once we started it, and I'm looking at how it's structured, I'm, I, I said to myself, "Wow, there are there is really room here to." Really be inappropriate and improper in the way you handle those finances. Yeah. Kev, the IRS is listening. Ah. That's okay. They can check my bank account because they're not one dime. We haven't got one penny. Well, neither. I'm the same. None of of us on Irish Angel has taken away. Nobody. You know, we do it because we we have the passion. We we love what we do. I was getting yelled at for buying supplies and paying for the website out of my own pocket. I said, no, that's my donation to the nonprofit. You don't understand. No, you don't pay. No. No, I'm good with it. It's yeah. not that much money. I can handle it. So, uh-huh. but it, at some point it becomes draining and you're doing all this work. And I know the question with nonprofits, a lot of donors will ask these things where they'll say, okay, what's your salary? They'll ask blunt, you know, what, no. what do you, what do you get? No, 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 no. I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you that. Just for that. But, no. <laughs> but at what point? Do you make this your job? I'm sure people at the Gary Sinise Foundation, and I'm not, the, I'm not, I think they're wonderful and wounded warrior. They get paid for what they do. It's a job. Yeah. It's a job. You know, you have to live. Well, yeah, that's, and, and that is factored in because when you do actually start up a nonprofit, you have to, you have to write that in as what, you know, you will get a wage eventually, whatever. Um, And the board has often said to me, you know, you need to start taking a wage. And I'm like, because this is my, this is my life. Mm. It is my life. But I don't see it. What I get out of it internally, you can't buy that, right? But they're like, Amanda, this, you know, you have to. But I'm in my mind, and I know it's ridiculous, but I'd go, right, well, if I'm taking a wage, how many people would that have sent for treatment? Do you know what I mean? I understand where you're coming from, but you- I think there's a big caveat. I'm, I'm with Mike on this one. You know, you've been, you were recently on an airplane, right? Yeah. Okay, and they give you the whole spiel about if there's in the case of a, a, an event, the oxygen masks mm-hmm. will drop. What is, what's the first thing they say? Put it on the kid. No, put it on yourself. Put, them, put it on yourself first. Put <laughs> it on yourself first. Before you put it on the kid, yeah. Yeah, put it on yourself first because if you're drowning and you're no good, then you're no good to anybody. Yeah. What's the first thing they teach you about to respond in the calls? You're no good yeah. to anybody else unless you get there safely. Unless you get there safely. Mm-hmm. So you... I'm not telling you, I'm not, I'm not telling you anything to, to take money or anything, but that, but damn, Amanda, you, you got to start taking care of yourself because a happy Amanda is going to be but more I productive. Happy. I am actually happy. Like, no, you're not. I just said you're not. I, Stop. <laughs> for the first time Jersey, in my you life, can't tell I'm actually wrong. happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm the happiest I've ever been. You know, it's funny. She said on a flight over here, uh, Drew, you'd like this when they were playing a Frank Sinatra movie. She said it was the best movie she's ever saw. Thank you. I am a pilgrim in an unholy land. <laughs> Start spreading your cheeks. Okay. This is America. All right. Before we go any further, actually, I wish Mike DePalma was here because he'd tell you a thing or two about Frank Sinatra. People in Hoboken hate him, and that's where Frank Sinatra's really? from. Yes. Really? Because Frank Sinatra don't give a crap about where he was from. Mm-hmm. They have a street named after him. Yeah, but that's 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 PR. You're doing all these 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 things. You need funds. We need to. Where can we find Irish Angel? IrishAngel.org. Okay, and yeah. your social media? Yeah, we're all over the place. 
So because uh, Instagram, your blue Irish angel. Is there another? Is it red Irish angel? Is it? Uh, no, we just keep all under under the blue one. You see, what happened was I wanted to get I just Irish angel. Couldn't get it. Hmm. So at the time we were just focusing on law enforcement. So I put blue Irish angel. The name has kind of stuck. <laughs> and you're big on LinkedIn as well. Huge on LinkedIn. Okay, yeah. so uh, we're going to put all that information in our show notes. So if anybody's looking for you, that's one click away. Just look at the show notes, and you'll be able to go there. Yeah. Um, to continue your mission. You know, my big question to you is: you've been through all this different stuff, and as it pertains to your mother and your father, have you forgiven them? I got you. Yeah. I have. And even the person that abused me when they were dying, I went and I told them. I forgave him. How did you do that? I had to. I did had to take it? it. I took control. Did you do it before or after you spit on him? <laughs> Put air in the in the IV. <laughs> yeah. well, step, but, step on the hose. Well, for me, for me, I suppose it was like I had to take control in my life. I had to. Closure. 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 Exactly. Now, the big question is, is have you forgiven yourself? Yeah. No, I, no I'm, I'm good with me. I'm going to say maybe not totally. Maybe this is a way of making yourself feel better about yourself. It does yourself. make me feel Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the one thing about doing the work that I do. There is a lot that you get internally out of it. Because yeah. you you get over trauma by helping other people. You do. You, you really, do. really do. Because when I'm in, when I'm, when I'm having that moment, and I still have those moments, when I'm having that moment where I'm just down and I'm just, I'm in that bad place, it, I will inevitably call somebody who I think maybe like me where I can just talk to them and by helping them some, somehow it's a weird thing. Cause somehow it helps me. Sometimes it helps me get over what I'm going through yeah. and I feel better. It, it, it takes your mind in another direction. And that that's what this podcast is all about. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, I mean, we get a lot of joy. I don't want to say joy out of hearing other people suffering. You sick bastard. <laughs> you just got joy out of hearing all that stuff. No, we, we, we get joy out of seeing that people came through it. And yes. knowing that we're helping because yes. we've helped so many people with this podcast. Like you said, you had a lot of connections from, you know, from your 501c3 and you have resources that you could send people to if they need help. We have that now, too. We met so many people from so many walks of life. It's all about connections. We, we don't know what people are going through. Yeah. You know, or how to help them get through that. But we may know someone who does that not. could help you, you exactly. know, help that person. And it's really, it's really gratifying. It is. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to be. I remember the first time we got, we call it a save. First time we got a save. Um, I cried. I cried like a baby. Just because, you know, you see something, you grew, you grew something from nothing. Like you literally grew it from nothing. And then all of, you see it come into fruition. And you know it's there. And you know you've made the right connections. But when you get that call and you can make that call and you get that person, like within 20 minutes we had helped that person and it's, in I think it was Virginia, we had we had help to them, and the messages we got back was amazing. We'll make it very clear, also, and, and I think I understand this. You're not there to offer therapy, or no. You're there to get resources to them. Yeah, we have the resources available for them. Right, right. Um, that's a big distinction. That's yeah. a big distinction. Somebody's going through a bad time. Call an Irish angel. Say, hey, can you talk me through this? No, no. Yeah. I'm not a therapist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it's a friend, of course you're going to talk to them as a friend does, but it's not my, I, I would never, you know, try and persuade somebody in a certain way. I just listen. 
the, mm. the best thing you can offer somebody who's in crisis is just an ear to listen. It's an amazing thing you're doing. You know, it really is. It really is. And for everything you've, you've been through and to see what you're doing now, you're an amazing person. You really are. I'm honoring. You're honoring? <laughs> I'm all right. You're honorary or all right? I'm all right. <laughs> She's honorary too. I'm honorary. All right, meet all wrong. <laughs> and meet all fucked up. <laughs> so we're coming to the end of this thing now. And I ask everybody the same question. You've been through, you've had a, a life Jeez, it's it's like a it's it's a novel. It, it really you've had is. a couple lifetimes of suffering, and and there are things in here which I'm sure you've either brushed over or left yeah. out. Hello. Uh, the, yeah, I I don't know if I can handle. It. <laughs> I gotta know, go to sleep at night. You know, I know people. On, I'll send you for therapy. Right. <laughs> back on that. You know, she said it's like a novel. I see a book in your future. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Um, Scott, one of the directors, he when I told him my story, because I literally only told my truth, I think it was April last year, April this year, for the first time I, I told my story. And it was the most nerve-wracking thing I ever did in my life. How did it feel afterwards? Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I felt like the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders. But Scott turned around to me and he went, Amanda, he said, this is not a book. This is a movie. Yeah. You know, and then... Funny you mentioned FAT because um, they ran a piece on me there. Um, I don't know whether it's actually published yet or not, but they called. To, they knew my story. Sharif, the, the CEO, had asked me mine and I told him the story. And he was like, this is where you need to be. You need to start telling your story. The amount of people you'll inspire, that women that's been raped or abused or whatever. Would you show them that there is a life? A life. There yeah, is there, there is, is a, a life. what's next. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't stop at the abuse. No, it doesn't. The writer, she contacted me and she, it was so funny because we only had like a, I'd say about 20 minutes to talk, right? And she's taken down all these things. And then she said, oh, uh, Steve was saying you, you told your story. Can you tell me your story? And I'm going, seriously? It's so <laughs> In long. 20 minutes? It's like, seriously? <laughs> but she ended up staying on the phone with me for like, must have been about an hour and a half. And she canceled her other meetings. And she was like, this is just crazy, she said. This is a book or a movie, she said, and you need to write it. I was like, I will one day. I will, one day. Yeah. So, again, that question I ask everybody at the end of the show is we all learn things from our own trauma, our own suffering. What do you think your suffering has taught you? It's taught me to be a better mother, like to be a good mom. Um. And it's taught me to be extremely positive and resilient. Yeah, resiliency is a is a massive thing for me. Resiliency is a big thing in suffering. Yeah, big you time. Know, if you're not resilient, you know, no. you're going to let that suffering engulf you. Yeah, exactly. So resilience, for sure. And, and being a good man. Amanda, I can't thank you enough for coming in and speak with Twice. us. Twice. Twice. <laughs> Bearing your soul, telling some really difficult stuff but also chronicling how you came out of it and starting this new life with Irish Angel. And for those of you, I just want to say it again, go to irishangel.org, reach out. There's oh, You're not alone. You're never alone. There are people out here. There are angels such as Amanda willing to help us. And I can't thank you enough. I just find it weird that, you know, she had all this trauma in her life caused by all these men. And she came and talked to us two idiots. <laughs> 
And that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. And as always, she's we, the one laughing now, not me. I know. <laughs> she's we, trying to screw you up. <laughs> we think about the stuff that we learned. First thing we learned is getting your jump on is my new favorite term. I absolutely love that. I'm, I've got to figure out a way to work that in there. Money spoils everything. The rearview mirror is always smaller than the front windshield. All we want is to be loved. I believe in you, Amanda. But most importantly, angels are here to save us. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of Irish Angel with Amanda Coleman. As always, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell on YouTube. We're on that race to 5,000 subscribers. Oh, jeez. Follow The Suffering Podcast on Instagram. Follow Mike at Mike underscore Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. And we will see you on the next episode of The Suffering Podcast.